name is Melanie Rayner, and I'm one of the directors of women's ministry here at Christ Presbyterian Church. It is such a joy to be here with you today, even if I'm a little anxious about what we're about to talk about. When I was working on the study guide questions for this week, I noticed about halfway through my writing session that my whole body was tense. My toes were curled and my heart rate was elevated. Just because you write questions doesn't mean that you want to answer them. And that's honestly how I felt when I was working through this passage. Why? Because it's about money. Money, whether we have a little or a lot, it's always right there at the front of our mind. It's a universal struggle and a universal gift, but we almost always keep it in a disordered priority, elevating it above almost everything else. I absolutely love the show The Office. I'm always re-watching it. I'm always in the middle of some episode, some drama. I'm always quoting it and laughing about it in my head. There's a famous episode in season four called Money, when regional manager Michael Scott realizes that he is in over his head financially. His on-again, off-again, toxic girlfriend, Jan, has spent all of his money, and he doesn't know what to do. So he gets a second job, leaving his day job as the regional manager of Dunder Mifflin and goes to a horrible telemarketing job where he works until 1 a.m. every day. The thing about Michael in this story is that he's not chasing money. He isn't working himself to death for dollars and cents. He's chasing happiness. He's aiming for Jan, thinking if he can accomplish what she wants with his money, then he will have love, security, happiness. It's not not having enough money that drives Michael. It's not having the things that he thinks money can buy him. And I probably fall more in that camp, honestly. It's not that I'm always thinking, oh gosh, I need more money, which I do. But I think I want to do these things and to have those things and to not to worry about those other things. I want money for the way it serves me, for the security, the pleasure, and the pride that it brings. So now we're gonna look at what Jesus said about money in a parable he told. And you'll see that Jesus doesn't condemn money. He condemns the very thing that I just mentioned, the way that we use money to serve our sin nature to serve us. So in Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells the parable of the dishonest manager. And I'll be honest with you, I had to read several commentaries to figure out this story. It's really tricky. There's a lot happening here culturally that makes it hard for us as modern readers to really understand. Why would the manager make everyone's bills smaller? How did that help anything? Basically, the manager had been skimming off the top by charging the people a lot more. So when the property owner called him out, the manager knew he was out of luck. The message is super helpful for difficult stories like this, and this is what it says. Jesus said to his disciples, there was once a rich man who had a manager. He got reports that the manager had been taking advantage of his position by running up huge personal expenses. So he called him in and said, What's this I hear about you? You're fired, and I want a complete audit of your books. The manager said to himself, what am I going to do? I've lost my job as manager. I'm not strong enough for a laboring job, and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I've got a plan, here's what I'll do. When I'm turned out onto the street, people will take me into their houses. Then he went at it. One after another, he called in the people who were in debt to his master. He said to the first, how much money do you owe my master? 
He replied, a hundred jugs of olive oil. The manager said, here, take your bill, sit down, quickly write 50. To the next, he said, and you, what do you owe? He answered, a hundred sacks of wheat. He said, take your bill, write an 80. Now here's a surprise. The master praised the crooked manager. And why? Because he knew how to look after himself. Jesus uses this parable to do two things, to illustrate a positive and a negative. First, he shows us the negative, the impact our financial dealings can have on our hearts. But then he says, you should be like the manager. What? <laughs> Here's what one commentary from the Christian Standard Bible says uh, to explain this. Jesus shares an implication of the story. The children of this age, unbelievers, typically deal shrewdly with each other and win friends by this means. Whereas the children of light, believers, often fail to use their financial resources to win people to faith, who thus becomes friends forever and welcome you into eternal dwellings. Thus, Jesus encouraged his followers to use their money shrewdly but innocently in order to advance God's kingdom. So Jesus isn't telling us here that money is bad, but rather it is how we use our money that can be bad or good. Much like the dishonest manager uses his money to win friends to protect him selfishly, we should use our money to draw people into God's kingdom. And this really matters. And it doesn't matter in like the whole youth group giving away a car kind of way to use our money. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about here. Not that our youth group here has ever done that, but uh, I have heard of plenty that have. Um, don't walk away from me, this hearing me say, money is great, go get a lot of it. Because our sinful hearts can twist the truth and easily make it, well, I can do a lot more good for God if I make a lot of money. So I should really prioritize making a lot of money. Don't do that. It's a trap. Scripture is full of warnings and admonitions about money. You'll look some of them up in the Bible study today. This passage is not the be-all, end-all of Jesus' stance on money. In fact, it's not really about money at all. It's about how we steward the resources God has given us. Which is why we're talking about money during a study on evangelism. When our perspective on money shifts from what can my money do for me to what can this money do for God's kingdom, everything changes. Sure, money will still be stressful. Our sinful hearts will still try to hold it with the tightest grip. But what this story does is show us that money isn't bad. We shouldn't feel guilty for having it or not having it because God gives us different things. He sets us in different circumstances, in different communities, different neighborhoods. But what we should do is seek to use it well, no matter how much of it we have. The picture that Jesus offers us in this story is that of a rightly ordered relationship to money in which we follow the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So please join me to close today in praying that the Holy Spirit would transform our relationship with money, that we could see it primarily not as a vessel for our own self-preservation and self-care, but rather as a means by which we can show hospitality and care and service and partner with God in spreading his kingdom here on earth. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for, um, for this story, 
for all of the things that Jesus said about money and how important money is in our lives. God, we know that you have given us this as a way of stewarding your kingdom and stewarding your love. And it's a way that we can care for our neighbors, for our creation, for our community. God, we pray today that as we continue to study this passage and the other things that the Bible says about money, that the Holy Spirit would work in us to transform our relationship to money. The way our sinful hearts are wired, we will never, ever look at money in the rightly ordered way without the work of the Holy Spirit, without the accountability of our community, and without the opportunities that you give us to steward our money well. God, I pray for each of the groups studying this this week, that you would be present among them, and that you will continue to transform our hearts to be more like yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks.